You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm so excited to have Donovan on the podcast after I found him on TikTok and I got him. Welcome, Donovan. Hi, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. You're actually my first official podcast for in marketing, so I'm super excited. I love it. I love it. You've had quite the glow up on TikTok already. I started following your videos probably a few months ago and like interacting with your stuff because I think the hook that got me, the marketer that got the marketer was this is how to get out of that 200 view jail that everyone feels stuck in on TikTok. Talk to us about how you even started making content and started pivoting into this new realm of content for your brand. Yeah. So my real origin for content comes from way back into childhood. Like I wanted a web show as cool as iCarly. So I used to run around with my sister and like we'd film the dumbest skits or whatnot. And we would like make pretend songs for the holidays and put them up on YouTube thinking we were going to be viral sensations. And then, you know, from there, I found this love for like the camera. And so I would edit on this computer that like the fan was broken. So it would quit mid edit or whatnot. And I don't know if anyone remembers like Windows Movie Maker, but That was a time period of editing or whatnot. And that's where I kind of got my start. And I was like, I really like this. And this was the Jenna Marbles kind of, the YouTube kind of bubble was really just starting to build. I was on MySpace a lot of times, like working with a lot of musicians and helping them promote their stuff, like across MySpace. I've always had a passion for working with musicians and stuff like that. And then from there, like around 17 years old, I started posting about my martial arts journey. And, you know, that's really where I started learning how to build a following, how to build a community. And that's, you know, I built myself a business that allowed me to get all the way through college without any debt and without having to get any, a quote, real job or anything like that. And then it just kind of kept spiraling. And I realized that my true love, the thing that I love more than anything is the process of being a creative and telling my story and helping other people tell their stories. So I actually revived this TikTok account from like over a year and a half ago after I lost my spark for creation. And then I really got back into it and I started posting about like my healing journey and whatnot. And I was like, no, this is like what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I was like, digital marketing was what I always wanted to talk about. But I was like, I hated what most people were doing when it came to digital marketing on TikTok. I don't want to sound like that. But then I was like, well, you don't have to. And so I just kind of found my own voice and it's just been a ride since then. Yeah, it sounds like it. For anyone who doesn't follow you, give us kind of the stats. When was the first kind of pickup or the re-pickup of this account that you had? And then what kind of growth have you seen since then? Because I think it's been going pretty fast and pretty steady for you, right? Yeah, I actually know the dates because I keep track of my analytics. So October 5th was when my first video really hit. And it was just this really raw moment. I hadn't really like had a you know content strategy. I didn't put that together yet because I was just trying to get back in the habit. And I was really going through some things with my family members. And I'm like, I'm going to make this video from the perspective of if I'm talking to myself and like what I need to hear, because I know that there's so many other people that are represented by this. And so it was just this really organic talk straight at the camera or whatnot. And it just exploded. And so I kind of started talking more about that. And I realized through the digital marketing stuff, all of the stuff that people are saying is important about content creation. Like it's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that it doesn't really capture the essence of what most people's issues are, which is, you know, all of the SEO and the hashtags and all of that stuff is secondary to do you know how to create good content? And are you good at what you do? And so 
that's kind of where my passion came from. And I was like, there's no one giving specific examples how to apply this, like, you know, the tangible tips people can take away. So on literally a month later, I had my first video on November 5th from October 5th blow up for digital marketing. It was literally the first one I said, and I was like, I'm going to give the real advice, not from the perspective or as a regurgitation of what I think people want, but from the perspective of like, I have been creating for 10 years. I've built an audience. I've made money. I've worked for myself. It's like, I just need to look internally at what are the lessons I've learned because that's what nobody's talking about. And so that's kind of, I think what's given me this edge is like, I give people this real raw organic. I don't take myself too seriously, but at the same point in time, like I take myself very seriously. And so it just is, I'm very serious in my expertise, but I'm very casual in my approach to get providing that expertise. And I think that's kind of what's been my space, been the gap that's been missing in the marketing space on TikTok or whatnot. And I think that's what's kind of really connected people to me. So in the last two months, I've gained close to 25,000 followers. And it's just been insane. And you found me when it was really just starting to pop off. Exactly. It's just kept going. And, you know, people started, I did not intend on monetizing my audience. Eventually I knew I would, but I was like, I just want to build my community. Like I'm not focused on selling anything. I know I'll use this eventually. I have a nine to five that pays the bills for now. Like we're good. And then when almost like doing that gave me this ability to relax and just approach content creation from like, Hey, how do I help people rather than how do I make this serve me? And from there, people were banging down my door. Do you offer one-on-one coaching? Do you do audits? You know, do you offer management? Do you do this or whatnot? And so it was like, well, I I guess I do now. And so (laughs) that's kind of where we've gotten to at this point where it's just been like, I have five to six calls every single day. I'm booked out for the next almost month. January is already like booking up really quickly. And I'm like super grateful for that. I don't want to say I never expected it because I dedicated my life to my craft, but I didn't expect it to happen this quickly. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's the magic of TikTok and social media now, right? Is like you can have that come up. It's really similar to me. I started my TikTok in 2019. In July 2019, it wasn't until like December of that year that I finally figured out what my niche was, which were these like brand design and 60 seconds videos that really popped off. And it was also because they were like kind of unproduced. Like I think there was kind of like this unprofessionalism about them that made it seem like you were kind of sitting on my shoulder watching me do my job that I think people were gravitated towards because they're like, oh, I know this girl on TikTok that does these videos. And it just kind of had that casualness to it. But I want to go back to something you said about what content creation actually is, because I think content creators slash influencers, like there's a lot of language that we have about this space now that's so different than a few years ago. But I think what I hear from my clients is that they constantly struggle with the idea of content creation. How do you describe what content creation actually is for someone who finds the whole space to be super intimidating? Maybe they've never even posted a video before. How do you describe some of these like glossary terms in a nutshell? Yeah. So I would say what I tell a lot of the people I work with is that, and it's usually business owners where they're like, I just want to run my business. Like, how am I supposed to do this social media thing or whatnot? And it's like, this is the reality of the world is any business, it doesn't really matter what you are, you're a media company first, and then you're whatever you're doing. Like digital marketing is no longer marketing, social media marketing is no longer social media marketing, it's just marketing. And if you're not having a social media presence in this day is the equivalent to not having a website, you know what I mean? It's a it's kind of like a living website that is showing the value that you can provide your audience. And it's a way it's a free tool. You don't have to pay like you did a billboard or a newspaper ad or a you know magazine or whatever. It's a free tool that, yes, requires a lot of understanding and skill set, 
but it can greatly reduce the customer acquisition cost to zero. You know, it's a way to really kind of find your core community that is always excited for any launch. So whenever I have somebody come on and they're like, I don't like social media, I have no interest in posting content. I'm like, well, content is different. It's not one thing. It's not just like dancing as a teenage girl on TikTok. You know, it's not just doing these crazy skits or these viral trends or whatnot. Content is really about pulling from your experiences, whether that's as a business owner, as a person who's living life, you know, whatever, and formulating your story into something that shows the value that you offer in your business or in your brand or whatnot. So there's no one way to do it. There are principles that carry through just like there are skill sets for any job or any avenue of marketing. But you can really, I think more than any space, get creative about how you approach it. And the unconventional is honestly what's appreciated the most. And so we have to break the stigma that content creation is just for like, you know, the 18 to 25 year old who is posting and trying to be an influencer and go to brand trips or whatnot. You don't need to have a million followers if you're a business, but if you find that core, you know, 5,000, 10,000 of qualified people, like you can have a sustainable income coming through. Like all of the money I have made so far, I have not had to ask a single person. They have all come straight through TikTok. You know, despite I don't have hundreds of thousands of followers, I'm sitting at about 30 something thousand followers right now, but I know the impact of creating a community. And an analogy I like to use for people who maybe aren't familiar with content is that like, it's the new word of mouth. It's the new networking event. So you're schmoozing, you're talking, you're meeting people, you're like kind of responding to these comments or whatnot. And like, that's the equivalent of walking around the room, shaking hands, having a, you know, glass of wine or whatnot and getting to know these people, it's like you're nurturing these leads or whatnot by providing them value first. But it's just a way to do it on a much bigger scale than a networking event. And it caters to natural human curiosity. Yes. I think that that's what's so beautiful about social media. It's just like when you find a new super niche show on Netflix and you binge the whole season and then you follow the actors on Instagram and then you want to see them do their press junkets and you want to read the articles. Like, Once you've got sink your teeth into something, it's part of our human nature to want to be more curious and to want to consume everything that that person puts out. So I think to your point, like even if you have one video that pops off, going viral is actually not the goal at all. Mm -mm. Nope. Talk to us about that and how you deal with, let's say you're in an audit and a client comes to you and they're like, well, we just need one video to go viral. What do you tell them? Like what kind of advice are you giving them from that piece of information? So virality in 95% of the cases can have a lot of more downside than upside because, you know, especially like, let's say you're a service-based business. What do you have to gain from having a million followers who live in a different area than you? You know, or even if you're a consultant or whatnot, like if these people aren't qualified to be able to buy your product, like what does it matter? The way these algorithms work now, it used to be kind of like an email newsletter where you gain a following, a certain portion of that following sees your content when you post. That's not the case anymore. The way these algorithms work now is that followers are, you know, more of a minimal metric because even when someone follows you, they're not guaranteed to see your content unless you're continuously producing good content that they continue to engage with. Then it's an entertainment-based kind of platform now. So I think people who are so focused on going viral, like you can have a viral video that does not necessarily, if that viral video is not formulated in a way that it connects to who you are as a person, who you are as a business owner, or what your business or your product is actually about, it really means nothing. And, you know, oftentimes when people go viral, they get really discouraged because you can have a video get 6 million views and the next video get 500 views if you don't know how to 
maintain that. So I think this idea of like when you go viral, like your whole life changes isn't the case anymore. There are a lot of people who have had video. Everyone has had a video get, you know, 100,000 views or a million views almost, but it doesn't equate to anything. It's a lot harder to like stand out and really find that core audience these days. Well, and you have to figure out what the goal is and work backwards. Is the goal to have followers and likes or is the goal to derive an income from the stuff that you post on the internet? I think if you know the goal, you can work backwards. I think I had this happen with, I made these like birthday invitations. It's really over the top 30th birthday this year. And the birthday invitations ended up going like mediocre viral, like 500,000 views. And I got, like you, got tons of inquiries in my inbox. Like one week I had 18 inquiries for help with like birthday invitation branding. And it was super exciting, but these weren't actually qualified leads. For me to spend the time to work with them when I have a whole branding and marketing agency was not a good use of my time. So I had to say no to a lot of them. So like, although it was great to get the virality and get the visual interest and get the brands included and everything like that, it actually was sucking a lot of my time from my actual day job, which then ended up hurting me. And it was crazy because like I have people that like, oh, I followed you back when, but then I also have a company and now I want to work with you to branch my company. Great. But I'll tell you a bulk of that audience ended up not being a qualified lead. Right. Exactly. And I think, you know, that's really the thing now is that I've grown to many of audiences before and you'll see these people who like have 1.5 million followers and they'll do like a meet and greet or something and nobody shows up because the thing now is you need to find, it's all about storytelling now. It's all about finding that narrative that people can consistently follow through. You know, the way to build a consistent audience of people that are excited to, you know, work with you now, especially with TikTok and, you know, a lot of these platforms starting to go back to pushing longer form content again is to really spend the time giving as much value as you can. So like if I have 10,000 people watch one of my videos, but it's a three to four minute long video of me giving a lot of value, you know, somebody who got 10 million views on an eight second video of them, like just getting ready for the day, I'm going to make 30,000 times more money. You know, likes do not equal cash. Followers do not equal cash. It doesn't equal an increased number of things in your business. You can get 200 views on a video, but if somebody really vibes with what you're having to say, and that's the beauty of these platforms now is that you are at least guaranteed that your video is going to get pushed out to a certain number of people as long as you're abiding by community guidelines and all of that stuff. So you know that at least 200 people are going to see your post. If you had 200 people in a room with you and you had their attention, that would be huge. Like you would probably get at least one, two, three leads out of that. So it's about taking the space to really, you know, meet your audience where they're at. And I think, you know, the big thing now on social media and the modern world is that people are really rejecting the traditional concept of an expert and really the traditional concept of marketing or whatnot. You know, people are looking for somebody who it's like kind of an art to like take yourself really seriously in terms of like you show up every day, you're putting in the work, you're learning how to create content but also giving yourself permission to like take yourself not seriously at all, show up exactly as you are mm-hmm. and just say what you would say as if it was your friend in the room. Like I think this idea, especially that we're going to see in 2024 is, you know, all of these people who are saying like, oh, here are three ways to do this or here's the hack or this is what you're doing wrong. No, 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 no. Throw away the business suit, throw away the three letter acronyms and the frameworks and the overcomplicated lingo, like be a real person. I think the line of professionalism is being blurred so much because like we're just at a point partly because of the pandemic we work at home now like we understand the natural setting of things we want to see a real person we want to connect with people what i always remind my clients is of is like there's always a margin to do better 
So if we can get it 70% of the way there, then we can improve. But if we try to wait until everything is 100% perfect, we're going to miss the boat. Yes. Because done is better than perfect. And it needs to just be out there. And then people can cheer you on in your success when you get a nicer camera, when you get a nicer microphone, when you get more opportunities, bring them on that ride. But today, right here, right now, show up like as you are, because there's so much value in that part of it. There's like a realness, a rawness that feels like you can reach through the screen and be there. You know what I mean? Whereas like you don't always get that with social. And I think that's the beautiful thing that TikTok is doing that the other platforms aren't. So I want to also kind of like run through what you approach in an audit. When someone comes to you and they say, here's my social, nothing's working. What are you looking at? What are the key things that you're tuning into that's like, well, here's the really common things you could do today that would make this better? Number one, and this is the number one common thread that I see in almost every audit that I do, is when it's seems very self-serving. It's them clearly trying to enforce their agenda onto people. That's an instant no. And they're, you know, we always hear, oh, you have to provide value or whatnot, but providing value in a way that actually feels attainable and actually connects to the problem. Another thing that I look for is, you know, going off of that is, you know, are you meeting your target audience where they are before you try to tell them what the next step is? I think people on the internet nowadays are really tired and they're tired of being told what they're doing wrong. They're tired of being told this framework, like we've all been sold some pipe dream a million times. So people are smart now. And as soon as somebody says, this is why you're screwing up, or this is why you suck, or, you know, this is the hack that's going to change your life. It's like, we instantly reject those. So it starts, I like to look for people who are creating a feeling first, setting the scene for their audience to feel comfortable and safe in their space. And that comes down to like the way their videos are angled, the tone in which they're speaking, you know, how they start their videos, how many layers are in their video, et cetera, et cetera. Are you creating a safe space for your audience? Then I look for, you know, especially with new creators, a consistency in either style, topic, visual, something. Because again, going back to how the TikTok and all of these algorithms are really working now is that, you know, just because someone's following you doesn't mean they're going to know that it's you the next time or actively seek out your content anymore. So if I'm scrolling through TikTok and let's say I found one of your videos and I really loved it and I followed you, that if the next video I see starts out completely differently, it's a different tone, I don't see your face or anything like that, I may have stuck around to watch if I knew it was you, but I don't know it was you. So then I stopped watching and then the TikTok algorithm is like, oh, this person's not interested in that content anymore. So we're going to stop showing it. And that's how you get these people who have like tons of followers and then, you know, are still struggling with the viewership, which, you know, of course, views go up and down. And like, that's a natural part of the progression. But having that consistency in your messaging or in your tone, what I call this is establishing a narrative, you know, so nowadays, it's like less about finding what your niche is, you know, you can talk or you can be many different things. In fact, I think people like multidimensional people these days. But it's more about like, what is the consistent, you know, storyline mission, that people can kind of get behind you. Like for me, my narrative is that you've been burned by all of these other strategists feeding you these BS, like tips that don't really matter because you haven't done the foundational work. You've been fed lies. You've been sold courses. You spent tons of money on a bunch of pretty pieces of paper that mean absolutely nothing. We love a good pretty piece of paper, but it like, you know, the value has to be there or whatnot, right? So it's like lipstick on a pig almost. It looks beautiful, but it's like there's nothing there. And so I am like, you know, what is it that my narrative is that like here, I'm going to give you something that when you are done watching my video or when you are done consuming any type of content I create, 
you can stop doing what you're doing and immediately get to creating and immediately have something that you can apply. Also, what I look for is, do you get to the point quickly? Again, the internet is tired. True. You know, we do not have the time to sit here. It's not a YouTube video. You cannot sit here and say, hi, I'm this and I'm a social media strategist. I see a lot of people still like doing the heavy introductions in their videos. And it works for some people, but something I regularly get complimented on is the fact that I love that you introduce yourself at the end, you know, after you've already given me all of the value. Yeah, that's an interesting strategy. How did you, did you come to that by accident or has that always been intentional? It's been intentional because I kind of realized that I didn't like it when other people did it because I've done videos like that. And I'm like, I think when you do that, it's kind of like overcompensating and it makes it kind of feel like you're not confident in the value that you have to give. I realized that like I am good at what I do. I spent many years dedicated to really learning the science and the art of this. I'm a very creative and analytical person. And so I was just, my value will speak for itself. If you're talking about the same, I think that's a big thing with social now is people assume that like, oh, I have to plug my product or people aren't going to know about it. Yes, they will. If you are talking about something consistently, again, the internet has matured. People on the internet have matured. If you're talking about something, people know there's a link in your bio. You know, people know that they can find something and find ways to work with you. You don't have to sit here and tell them that in every video. And they will be able to tell you're a social media strategist or a financial expert because you're talking about it. And if you're good, you can demonstrate that and you don't have to sit here and qualify yourself or brag about yourself or, you know, add your credibility to yourself because the credibility is in the value you just provided your audience. Yeah, because otherwise it comes off like a Shark Tank pitch, right? It's like, hi, sharks, I'm so-and-so, and this is why you should give a shit. And I think that, like you said, the consumer is smarter than that. And if you're trying to create that friendship relationship with your followers, like you don't get on the phone to call your best friend and you're like, hi, I'm Michelle and I'm 30 years old. And this is like, you don't do that. That's just not natural. So I think it's so smart to kind of stack it to the end. But you also made a good point about like having the consistency somewhere, right? Like the consistency in the narrative, what's the problem that you're trying to solve and how does your content get that person to be intrigued enough to reach out? And this reminds me a lot of Donald Miller's building a story brand. Do you know this? I've heard of it. Yes. Okay, so he talks about the hero versus the guide. And I think a lot of business owners position themselves as the hero of their content and not the guide. And you need to be the guide. Yes, that's such a great way to put that. You got to make your customer the hero. You got to make their problems your problems. You got to make their challenges your challenges. And you've got to tell them like, hey, I've faced this challenge before. I've summited this mountain before. This is how I did it. And I think these are things that could help you And if you want more of my advice, like here's how to get it. And I think that that framework, I hate to say even framework now, because I think you're right. There's a lot of frameworks and acronyms and cheat codes, so to speak, that don't work. But that's just the basis of like human psychology. That's like community building 101 is like helping people get from point A to point Z. The analogy that I give people is imagine you have a friend coming over and they're like, oh, I'm really struggling with X, Y, and Z, something related to your business. You know, I'm really struggling with my finances or I'm struggling with my mental health or, you know, whatever the case may be. Would you respond to them by saying, well, here's the framework you need to implement immediately? Like, no, you would say like, hey, I'm sorry you're going through that. I see you like I see you putting in the work. I see you putting in the hours. You have a lot going for you. Again, it's creating that safety for people and creating that environment. And then kind of guiding it from there. I think it's very similar to like kind of how therapy works or whatnot, where a therapist is going to help you pull out the best in you and help you pull out what is needed or whatnot. The reason I think my content works is because 
you see it work in real time, whether it's I'm doing what I'm talking about in my video and it worked on you, or you know because of the way you view TikTok, like, oh, I know this works because I enjoy that or because I watch videos like that. So I think that's kind of the way to kind of approach that. I think another thing that can't really be overlooked with when it comes to content too is that a lot of it is a big fat experiment. Yes. Like you're not going to know what content resonates with your audience until you try a bunch of different pieces of content. Like, and I think that there has to be room for that because once you try things, then you can look at data, but you can't just go straight out the gate and be like, well, I'm just going to do this one thing. It's not working. I'm going to do one thing. It's not working. Like you say you keep track of your analytics. How often are you going back and reviewing? Okay, this one popped off. I wonder why. This one didn't. I wonder why. Like how often do you audit your own content? I would say once a week. I try not to paralyze myself too much because I think there can be an analysis paralysis essentially where you look too deep into it. And sometimes there really is like not necessarily a rhyme or reason. There usually is. You can usually tell why one video did better than the other. But I think, you know, I'm checking back and I'm more so looking to see like how long did people stay on the video? Like when did people drop off? Like when was that moment? Why didn't they watch all the way through? And it's usually because, well, you flabbed your mouth for too long or you didn't like edit or, you know, like kind of create some kind of cuts to like keep the eyes attention. I think that's a big thing I look for in a TikTok auditor and a coaching call as well is that people forget that TikTok is a visual platform first. You know, people see with their eyes first. And so everyone's on social media is trying to get people to listen to what they're saying when it's like, that's not the first sense that they're going to look for or that, that they're going to notice. So if you're sitting here just holding your camera up, talking to the whatever, well, like, no, you're not going to stand out among the sea of other people doing the exact same thing. An example I used in one of my videos was kind of the Target example where it's like, you know, if you're walking down the Target beauty aisle, there's a million products there. You're not going to sit here and pick up every single one and see if it's a worthwhile product. You're going to pick up the most visually appealing one. And then if it's visually appealing, you're going to stick around and read the back and you're going to look up reviews and then you're going to go deep. So having something visually stimulating, and I think this goes back to like it being conversational and making your audience feel like they're in the room with you, that goes into the way your video is framed as well. Like in a lot of my videos, I like start by pulling up the chair and so it literally feels like you are sitting down with me. We are having a conversation. It's you and I across from each other or whatnot, so that my audience can put them into themselves into the room with me. And going on to your point, you said something that reminded me about like finding your audience and speaking to your audience. For a lot of business owners, the target audience is some version of yourself. You started this business or you started this brand out of a passion through maybe a journey that you went through or a skill set that you love and learn. So when you're looking for content ideas or you're looking for like, well, how do I know what to post? You know, dive deep into yourself or, you know, the customers you've already had. Like, what was it that you needed to hear when you were in this place when you didn't have the expertise or the resources that you had now? Because that's what other people need to hear. You know, what was it when you were searching through all those articles and watching YouTube videos and TikToks about how to do something? What was missing for you? And that's why I really try to tell people, scroll through your TikTok for what you don't like, because that's where your unique perspective is. And that's where you can find your voice and reflect on your own experiences, because your target audience is you as some version of yourself, past, current or future. I mean, it's exactly why I have this podcast. It serves as an encyclopedia of what I've learned in the last 10 years, because I didn't have a resource like this when I was, you know, 24, 25, 26 to go to that was so specific to my niche that was so specific to branding and marketing. Like there were tons of marketing ones. There weren't a lot of like design-based ones. And so I was like, okay, like, let's see, you know? And I think that that's exactly it. You also have to have the mindset of 
you have to want to make the content too. I think there's a lot of people that want to be content creators because they want to monetize and they want to make it their lifestyle. Absolutely. Like that's a great goal. But I literally just had this conversation with a friend this morning. She's grown a following. She's trying to make the transition to like monetizing her content. And I said, you still have to keep the core of what you do. If your brand is a magazine, you still have to have 70% editorial content and 30% advertisements. Because if you go from being 100% editorial to 100% advertisement, you just lost your secret sauce. You just lost the reason why people were there. Absolutely. I've turned down 80% of the brands, probably 90%, honestly, of the brands that are in my inbox. Because I've seen, you know, from someone who grew up chronically online, I have seen how the second you become a shill for brands and it doesn't feel authentic to the value you can provide your audience, you lose them. So I know that my audience is number one priority all the time. And to your point, you have to like it. Everyone is enamored by the idea of like, oh, you can just post your videos and like grow this huge audience and it'll change your life forever. And it's like, that is literally the furthest thing from the truth. First off, Putting yourself out there to be vulnerable online is a very emotionally taxing thing. Mm -hmm. It takes a sort of mental toughness to like be open to feedback, negative and positive, because even the positive comments can kind of imprison you and make you feel like I have to stay this way. And so it can kind of starve your creativity to try something new. So it's like this balancing act of, you know, always prioritize your audience first, but also make sure you're having fun doing it. And that's why, like, I've grown many audiences for myself. Like, I had businesses in the martial arts space and whatnot. But, like, the thing that has separated this is that I am excited to talk about what I'm talking about every single day. I never get tired of it because I think connecting your content to a greater purpose is a great way to stay motivated into it. Because when I think about it is that I just recently was in a place where I'm like, what is my next step in life? I know that I, you know, I'm cut out to do big things, start a business one day. But what does that look like? I know that there are so many other people out there who are in, you know, home situations that they can't get out of or financial situations that suck or jobs they hate or whatnot. And I'm like, I am literally giving people the resources to like get out of that bad situation. And I think about that every day. I love what I'm doing because I get to get somebody from it's not just about making money. It's about pulling them out of where they were and into a place where they either never thought they could be or that they always dreamed of being. I want to run a suggestion by you. So this friend that I'm talking about is a travel blogger, content creator. She's amassed a huge following on Instagram. She's right behind it on TikTok. She's trying to monetize for the first time. She is exactly what you described, like trying to figure out like, how do I take this to the next level? Because I want to derive an income from this. I've worked too hard at this for too long to just let it be just that, you know? So I recommended to her, she's in this like big transition period where she's going to try a bunch of different stuff to see what sticks. And I said, document that shit. I said, use your what you perceive as your flop era and like turn that into a, hey, you guys know me, you know what I'm good for, which is photography and videography and travel tips and things like that. Like follow me on this journey of like actually making this a sustainable lifestyle for myself. And I think I think that might have opened her eyes up to like, okay, yeah, maybe I can share this in a way that's going to be scary. But I think when you vocalize and you materialize what you want, you never know who's watching, number one. And number two, like you're giving the people who've only consumed, 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 consumed from you an opportunity to participate and contribute. And I think that that two-way conversation is so valuable because it's so overlooked. I think people aren't thinking about it that way. They're just putting out content and being like, oh, people liked it. But it's like, what do those people have to say? How do you create a conversation and make this a two-way street? Yes. So I'm wondering if you would recommend something similar, if you'd know someone who's come to you that's like, hey, 
I've got this huge following, my content pops off, I've gotten brand deal here, brand deal there, but how do I make this a consistent gig? How would you recommend that they start to pull their audience in for that more two-way conversation? Yeah. So I think, like you said, documenting instead of creating is such a big thing now because, you know, first off, creating content, if you're, especially if you're a business owner, is very time consuming. So you may not always have time to like sit here and formulate a video strategy. But what you can do is take clips and just always be recording yourself. Set a reminder in your phone every 30 minutes or every hour. Like I'm going to like set my phone up and record what I'm doing. And even if you don't know how it's all going to piece together later, then there's the power of the voiceover where you can sit here and say like, okay, now what is the you know main message I want to get across to my audience? And then, you know, you kind of go into that or whatnot, which kind of brings me to another point is to answer your question, I would absolutely recommend something like that. I think that there's a lot of people who are sitting here and like, to your point, they're asking themselves, well, how do you come up with content ideas every single day? And how do you figure it out? And it's like, one, I do what I said before, where it's like, I'm tapping into this younger version of myself who felt stuck and felt trapped and you know, all of this stuff. So it's like, I can take myself back there in an instant, but also because I allow myself to be casual about it. I allow myself to document. I allow myself to always have a content bank in hand because you can come up with the story in the narrative later. And I think, you know, going into that, a lot of people are like, oh my God, I have to think about what my hook is going to be. And then I have to think about how I'm going to lead up and how I'm going to get to the point and, you know, what the value is going to be. And a lot of people come to me and, you know, when I give all these little tips, they're like, well, how do you remember to do all that? I'm like, I don't. I take the same approach that like a lot of write people who write books do, writers, authors do. They don't always start at the beginning of the book. Oftentimes they start with like, what's the core of the book? And then they build out from there. So when you create your video, think about like, you know, I get my best ideas when I'm on my morning walk, when I'm pacing around my building or I'm in the shower. I'm like, whoa, like, and I'll come up with like an analogy or like, you know, something hard hitting. And I'm like, whoa, like, that's so true. That's where I start. And then from there, I'm like, okay, I just had my friend come through and they're struggling with this problem. This is the advice they need. How would I lead them into that advice if they were here? So kind of starting from the center and working outward will make it so much easier for you. And like you said, start a series. Mm -hmm. Day one, you know, and like, yes, it's hard to start a series and get people to follow along, but it's all about, again, like audience first. Even when people are talking about themselves, I think people make the mistake of like, oh, I want to build an audience based off of myself or me or, you know, whatnot. It's like, you can do that, but it has to be connected to your audience. Connect you to the problem your audience is facing so that they can see them, whether it's a customer or whatever, They can see themselves in you and then therefore trust you to take them to whatever the next step is. Yeah, because then you're exemplifying what you're walking the walk and talking the talk, right? And I think the other way to think about this too is we forget how much we actually know. And I think when I was talking to my friend, I was like, you have all these crazy life experiences and all these incredible stories and all these incredible like back work to pull into this new era of your life. Like how incredible is it going to be if you made the series that said day one of monetizing my social media when you're on day 150, when you're on day 300, when you're on day, like imagine how valuable that content will be to you when you are on the other side of this mountain. Because I think that journey, because most people won't take the time to do this. And I think that's the other point as well. Most people won't take the time to like sit down and like map their life and document their life in that way. And as someone who's a natural content creator, I'm just like salivating at the idea of her bringing this to fruition. Because I think, again, it shows vulnerability, creates connection, allows her audience to contribute and gives her, it's like the gas in the tank. It's like an accountability thing of like, oh, I know that I'm going to go on and have this, even if it's just for me, I'm going to have this to share. And I think that that's something that content creators 
or that's where content creation gets a bad rap. It's like, oh, I have to make, 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 make. And it's like, no, you just have to capture. You just have to like capture what you're thinking, capture what you're feeling, capture what you want to share and get it out there. I think that's really organic. Like you said, like the shower notes or the morning walk, like you're like, I just got to take this stuff that's in my brain and make it consumable. Absolutely. And it's, you know, people often think that they have to come up with, you know, something groundbreaking to say every day, but it's really something that it's that little nugget that like, you know, unlock, you know, the mindset for you. And to your point, there's a content creator. I really wish I remembered her name right now, but she documented her journey to becoming a content creator or whatnot. And she just hit a hundred thousand followers and her audience is like rallied behind her. And they're so excited because they've been kind of part of this conversation. I think you know, another big problem, and I think this especially applies to businesses and brands and solopreneurs, is that people make videos thinking that they're trying to appeal to as many people as possible. So they throw in disclaimers, they throw in, you know, if you're going through this, the traditional hook of marketing is if then, no, you know, and it's just like asking questions if people are tired of having to think, if people have to sit here and think about like whether your video applies to them, like, I don't have time for that. I'm going on to the next, you know, it's like, your core audience is going through whatever you're talking about. You have to go in with that assumption, right? So you don't have to sit here and say, oh, and this doesn't apply if you're doing this. And oh, of course, like, I don't mean it like this. And you know, that all sounds like if, and it makes you sound like you're not confident in what you're talking about. It goes back to, again, when you know your core audience, you know their problems. So you don't have to sit here and ask what their problems are or come up with reasons as to, you know, why this problem may be different for somebody else you're talking to the person who has that problem and they have that problem in the exact way you say it. So just say what you have to say with your whole chest unapologetically and be definitive about it. And know that it's not for everyone. And that's kind of the point. Like whenever I hear those, like, if this may apply, this may be like, I always think of like the drug disclaimers on a commercial where it's like side effects may include. And you're like, well, that sounds fucking terrible. Like that sounds like not a good time. So if you can think about it and just talk directly to solving the problem, right? Talk straight at it. You're dealing with this. And if they're not dealing with that, they're going to opt out anyway. They're going to scroll on anyway. They're like, no, I'm not. And then they're not interested. Exactly. But I think that's the beauty of these algorithms now is like you get the content that's served for you on a silver platter. I send stuff to my sister all the time where I'm like, I have not had an original thought ever because I like seeing there's so many, the girls and the gays and the days and the like everybody that's putting out content that I'm like, oh my God, we have the same brain. Like that's crazy because I would have thought that that was only a thing that I did. But I think that's the kind of community connection point that's so exciting. What do you think is going to be the same or different in 2024? I think 2024 is going to be all about layers in your video or whatnot. So people's attention spans are dwindling. And I think this especially applies to people who want to pursue or have multiple facets to their business or multiple things they want to talk about. It's this idea of showing rather than telling. You can sit here and talk about one thing and be doing something completely unrelated, and I'm still learning something about you. If you're promoting a product, don't tell me about the product and show me the product. Show me how the product is used in an organic way while you talk about something that provides value to me. That doesn't necessarily have to be completely related. You know, social media is not a billboard, and that's been the case for a long time. But like, I think it's always important to come back to that and realize that because people still don't really grasp it. And so I think the more kind of visual entry you can create in your videos. So for example, like if you're starting a business, what are all the ways you can capture attention? There's the text on the screen, there's what you're saying, there's your body language, and then there's what's also in the frame and the way you're framing your video. So, you know, you can have like a sign 
in the background that says something funny while you're talking about something related to, uh, you know, whatever, while you're doing something that's completely different, while the text says something that kind of ties everything all together and gives an idea of what the main point of the video is or whatnot. And you kind of, I don't know if this is the right word, but overstimulated your audience, you know, essentially to the point where it's like, wow, the something I say is that, you know, you need to make it feel like your audience has to catch up to what you're saying. So I think in 2024, it's going to be less, you know, overly introducing overly this. And it's like, just draw them straight in. If you can create this element of like FOMO, where people feel like they're like, oh, I missed something. I've got to like catch up or whatnot. So like when I start my videos, like you may think as a content creator, you have nothing in common with the guy walking through the Florida Everglades and search for a 20 foot Burmese python. You're like, I need to back that. Wait, I'm huh? like, <laughs> uh-huh. and that's why podcast clips do so well on Instagram and TikTok because it's a small part of a conversation that's already been happening. And, you know, that's part of the fun for the viewer is to say like, oh, wait, what are they talking about? It's again, kind of going back to this idea, like, let's say you and I were hanging out at your house or whatnot, and we have a mutual friend coming over. We want to like say something that like perks that third person's ear to where they're like, oh, wait, 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 what are y'all talking about? What are y'all talking about? I think that's really what it is. So add as many layers to your video as possible and don't assume that your audience is dumb. You know, no one on the internet is, I mean, I don't say no one on the internet is dumb, but yeah, (laughs) that was a big claim. Yeah. (laughs) But nobody on the internet is ignorant to social media, I guess I should say, like if they're scrolling. So it's like, you don't need to sit here and spell it out for them and hold their hand. They've been there. They've got it. Right. No, I think those are great suggestions. I think you're totally right. I think in 2024, you have to know how to video edit. If you're a business owner, you got to know how to pull together a video. That's just like a non-negotiable. I think knowing your way around InShot or CapCut is definitely to your advantage, right? And then finding the ways, the style, the quirky little things that you think are inconsequential, but when you do them consistently, they pay off, which is like how you're branding your captions. Are you using GIFs, emojis, sound effects? How are you creating a consistency in your content, like you say about the framing, like there's just as much to be done on the post-production side of like how to even add that, add emphasis to your words to do the jump cut zoom and zoom out, right? Vary the camera angle, have different setups in your house so that you're capturing not only the quality of the content of what you have to say, but like you said, you're visually keeping people engaged because they don't really know what's coming next, right? Like I love those videos where it's like, at no point did I know what was going to happen next in the sequence of events. Like those are so fun. And I really want to reiterate that when we talk these specifics, like sometimes a business owner might say like, I just don't have the time to dedicate toward that. But I want to draw it back to it's tried and true principles of humanity that have always existed since the beginning of time. I work with a lot of like fitness coaches and musicians or whatnot. And it's like when you're in a live show or when you have a personal trainer client or, you know, if you're a therapist, you have a client come in like, you have no problem taking control of that room. You have no problem making jokes, expressing yourself while also giving value or whatnot. So it's about like, get rid of your camera voice, get rid of your camera personality. You're no longer filming a video. That phone is that client that walked through the door. You know, it's that friend that came through. It's that customer who walked through the front door of your business and has a question about, you know, the way it works. Like that is what it is. And it sounds surface level, but there's just so much depth to that. Whereas like, I don't have to sit here and think about my videos at all, which makes content creation a lot easier for me because I'm just, the analogy I always use is that like, I'm a pop star. Like (laughs) I have to give these people the performance of a lifetime Uh in like three minutes or whatnot. And I'm going to give them choreography with all this movement I'm doing. I'm going to give them sass. I'm going to give them energy and I'm going to give them the value that they need so that they're like feeling empowered and excited about it. 
Yeah. I think that people can take so many notes from what you've just put on your social media for free, which again is another thing we didn't even really touch on, which is like give away your best stuff for free because people will still come and pay you money. I think there's a fallacy to like want to put things behind a paywall or a course or a download or an email list. And like you're just creating barriers to entry. Whereas if you just put it all out on the table, you'll attract the kind of people that are like, wow, this person knows what they're talking about. And people pay for context, right? That's what people are paying for now. So like you're giving the advice and like showing them how to apply it in a general sense. But what people are going to pay you for is, well, how does this apply to my business? Or how does this apply to me? How do I use this? How do I incorporate that? That's where the value is now. And that's why I think a lot of, you know, I have a lot of people who get on calls with me and they're like, this is the first call where I feel like you actually gave me something for me and you didn't just regurgitate like what you're already talking about on social media. And that comes down to just like being good at what you do. I think that's another thing that can't be understated on content is like everyone's trying to be the expert. Everyone's trying to be the spokesperson or whatnot. And it's like, you know, there's no substitute for actually, no matter how good your content is, if you're not good at what you do, people smell that. So it's actually work on your craft. And you're not going to pop off by trying to emulate what somebody else has been doing. You made a whole video about this as well. It's like, just because you see somebody successfully doing XYZ type of thing, doesn't mean it's not worth a try, but you need to find, figure out what is drawing you to that piece of content in the first place, right? Like I think about Tim Chusano and like how ubiquitous his videos are of like his day in the life. This is a day in your forties and this is my wife. Like it's the same stuff every single day. He has such a secret sauce to it. And once you get into like, it's like making your favorite bowl of cereal. I know how it's going to taste. That doesn't mean that I don't want cereal. It's like, you're still going to snack it. And then you're like, huh, now that I'm here, I'm thinking about these things differently. Then that's really where his secret sauce, his message is coming in. Is because there's predictability. There's this like beautiful moment he's creating on social that it actually what's varying day to day is the, his message that he's trying to get across. And he's using this hook and this modality and this template to get his message through, which I think is so smart. But we all can't be Tim because we all aren't Tim, you know? There's so much more power in, you know, and something I believe wholeheartedly and something that people should really think about in 2024 is that there's so much more power in defining what you're not because everybody's trying to define who they are. Like, oh, I'm this way and I talk about this and this is what I do. And it's like, okay, there's a million people doing that. Who are you not? Like, what do you rebel against? What do you reject? You know, talking about building community and getting that engagement. People like to re collectively reject the status quo or whatnot. People are always looking for the unconventional or whatnot. So that's why I say to scroll through and look for what you don't like, because then that gives you the ability to say like, well, this is what we're not. And so then people who also are tired of the same things, you know, fitness is always a great example because it's like everyone's tired of like, you're going to lose 30 pounds in five minutes, you know, or whatever. It's just like, no, you're not. So it's just like when you'd say I'm not that and you create that environment and you reinforce that with your actions and the value you provide, people are going to naturally gravitate toward that. Of course. Well, this is so helpful. I think this was a masterclass in and of itself, this episode. So definitely people better be taking notes and tagging us on social when you listen. But where can everyone find you, follow you, work with you, all of that good stuff? Yes. So I am Donovan Barrett on all platforms. I offer currently one-on-one -on -one coaching audits as well, but they're on pause. And I'm currently working on creating my course, which is, you know, going off of what we've been talking about this whole theme. Everyone has a course. The way I want to make it different is like I'm creating a you know, kind of an actual guide and a workbook that the course goes through. And so that by the end of the course, you actually have something real that you take away. I'm not just going to sit here and preach concept. You will have a framework on how it applies to your business or your brand so that they can move on and like actually have something and implement that strategy. So that's what I'm kind of working on now. And then, you know, podcast coming up in 2024 as well of my own. So super exciting. 
Love that. Oh, that's so super exciting. Oh, we love that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you for having me. Of course. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time. (music) 